place when I'm doing these things. All right. Oh, I hear you. All right. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Meeting of the Minds. We have a very special guest today, uh, Nick O'Brien, who is the Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coordinator at Fresno State University. Nick, thank you for joining us. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Chase, man. It's great. Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to get this going and and um, share some mind knowledge. Right, man. It, it's This is like the third call today for me, so I, I, I've been working hard. Tell me about how your job changed during the coronavirus, because you went from working with athletes on a daily basis to not really seeing them. Give me, give me something. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely been a change of pace and um, it's kind of good. Cause I've been telling my athletes all the time, Hey, you got to be adaptable. Like whether it's a play, you got to shake stuff off. You got to move. Uh, I got to practice what I preach right now. So for right now, I mean, I got to talk to the athletes. I got to find a new form, find a new norm. And, um, just kind of find the different way to connect with them when I can't be there in person, which is a huge change of pace. And it's, it's been uh, interesting to try to find like the perfect kind of formula. And I mean, you know, with the situation going on, it's, I think everybody used the term fluid. It's constantly changing all the time. Right. So our, like for college, especially the rules change about when we're allowed to even talk to the players and, what is deemed uh, appropriate and what we're actually allowed to do like within those guidelines. So even that, like that's been fluid and it's been constantly changing. So uh, it's, it's definitely something I got to adapt to. And I know the players are going through a lot and as coaching staff, we're going through the same thing. So trying to relate to them on a human level has been big because you don't know what some of these guys are going through. I've got, I've got a hundred athletes. So, they're spread across all the United States and I've got even a few in Canada. So wow, you really don't know what's going on with their personal lives too much, unless you're able to actually like connect with them a little bit more. Absolutely. So, so speaking of the connection, I, I'm assuming, I know we talked earlier, you've been on the zoom calls. Are you watching them work out? Are you guiding them? Or are you just talking to them? Give, give me something about that. Oh man, I'm done. I'll tell you what, I'm done with some Zoom calls for the most part. It's they've gotten a lot. It's been a great way to, for us to connect. Um, and and especially with the time zone difference and all that stuff. Right. Uh, the with the rules changing, we we can't really do much right now um, from the latest updates. Depending on teams and depending on like when they are in their season, we can really only watch them if they send it to us specifically. Wow. And we can only look at that, like them lift or them train as a safety kind of concern. So if they're if they're going to contact us and say, hey, coach, what's uh, my how's my technique look? What do you think about this gym and stuff? If they initiate the conversation, then I can talk to them. But outside of just reaching out and kind of seeing how they're doing, everything for most teams right now, especially with my teams, is voluntary. So this is like their dead period where we're not really allowed to have too much contact with them outside these specific rules. So I just update them and send them certain things out uh, along with their summer programs that they should be following. But yeah, the, the contact piece in terms of like specifically being, Hey, you can train this way. I need you to do this. I can't really hold them accountable and, right. um, and really make sure that they're doing stuff a specific way. 
which is good and bad because I, I, I want all my athletes to be self-accountable and be intrinsically motivated. But right. it's nice to have like a coach or a teammate or someone like check in on you. So I really rely on my all the captains and the leaders and uh, upperclassmen to reach out and start group chats and kind of push buttons with each other. The the real the hard issue is uh the freshman incoming, the mm-hmm. uns- the uncertainty of them coming in, um, what they're allowed to do, and if some of them are if we're even going to have a season on campus. So other than that, like I, I got to stay within my fun uh, collegiate guidelines so well you know you can talk to them uh, being a high school coach i haven't been able to work with my team uh, i've done zoom meetings but you know the first one they're all excited and then now you're seeing avatars everywhere so it's like are you even <laughs> um that's a struggle for me personally i know it's a struggle for a lot of kids not having structures a, a struggle uh you know just going back to what you spoke of how many would you say actually did reach out to you because because i'm i'm just imagining that number's not that great yeah, it's uh it's hit and miss and again like with them being all scattered across um them having different situations different things arise I've got a few players that live with like older family members or grandparents and like until you if they're not going to reach out and tell you specifically hey I'm not training because of I don't want to put my like grandmother at risk like you might not even know that. Right. So kind of opening up the conversation and see how they're doing outside of training and not just going right into, Hey, did you squat today? Did you, did you run today? Like kind of connect with them like I would if they were in person, which becomes difficult. Like you probably know, even with one team or two teams, like that's still a lot of conversations that you're having. So finding ways to either like do it in a group setting has been huge. Um, I send some stuff out weekly and, try to reach out to individual athletes at different points in time, either weekly or biweekly, depending on when we were with exams and stuff like that. Uh, but outside of that, it's, uh, it's kind of in their court. I think a lot of them initially wanted to reach out, but most of them weren't concerned about their training. They were concerned about like, Hey, are we, are we coming back? Like they have all these questions, and, and no one could give them a straight answer. And I couldn't give them a straight answer either. So I was just, hey, let's focus on what we can control, like always. these are This is the fact of the matter. We're going to send you home for this amount of time. I'm going to make sure that you can reach out to me whenever you need. Here's something you can follow if you have access to this. But initially, it wasn't a lot of, like, real excitement to get to training. Everybody was really concerned about, am I going to finish my year, especially the seniors? I mean, wrestling, we were about two or three days away from going to Minnesota to go to the national championships. And baseball, we got cut. And lacrosse, the day, like, it kind of, like, blew over across campus and, like, the world. Uh, Lacrosse, we were one of the last two teams in the country to play a game. And we turned it into a – a senior day for both us and the opposing team because it looked like nothing was going to come of it. And they, they were coming from the East coast. So like some parents traveled over and that was the last time they were going to see their kids play. So, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of reaching out in initially. And then I think once the dust started to settle, it got a little bit better, but 
I mean, it was very individual. Like I've got some baseball guys that are getting ready for the draft. So they're, they're like, all right, my college season, my career is done. I'm focused on the next thing. I've got some people that are not sure if they're, what they're going to do when they're coming back, if they're going to come back. So the conversations of how they reached out were vastly different. So I had to be adaptable and try to send blanket stuff out, talk to the coaches and see what the plan was. Cause no one had any, no one had any clear idea what we were going to do. They're like, Nick, just come up with the strength plan and, and we'll put it in. We don't know anything else right now. Pretty uh, much <laughs> crazy, man. So, so, you touched on it. You, you work right now with three teams, uh, wrestling, baseball, and lacrosse. And it sounded like you were actually with lacrosse and wrestling as this thing broke out. Is, is there a certain situation where you're like, yeah, I was with the team when it happened? Well, he, that morning we kind of started getting wind of it. And, and like the news was starting to blow over. And I don't, I'm not one to follow the news very closely. So I wait for people to watch like the five hours of it. And then tell tell me what they get out of the five hours into five minutes. Uh, but we were for five hours. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think by that morning, um, we had we had a lacrosse game scheduled. So I think wrestling had already trained that morning, <clears throat> and we were getting ready for like we had afternoon practice and stuff. And um, Coach Steiner and the rest of the staff, we were all kind of preparing like, hey, who who's going on the trip. We were getting all our logistics ready to fly in a few days, like out to the national tournament. So we were, we were kind of lost about, Hey, is this still going to happen? And um, I think the, the turning point for me, like I love strongman and like yep. I compete in it. And as soon as I heard that um, the, Oh man. And Columbus, as soon as the Arnold like got the Knicks that, no one but competitors were allowed to go. And I know how big of an event that is. I knew it was serious and we were done. So as, as soon as that hit, I think lacrosse pushed their game forward like four or five hours. And then it was just rapid fire. Like, yeah. what are we, what are we going to do? We, as soon as that happened, we finished the lacrosse game. We spent the next like six hours, the whole staff, we closed the weight room down and clean the whole thing just preemptively Good. just to make sure we had our bases covered. And then every from there for the next like three weeks, just meetings on meetings on meetings. Cause no one, no one had any real direction. They had to try to get on the same page so we could attack it together. No doubt. No doubt. A um, couple, couple moments ago, you spoke about uh, the things you can control. And we, and we mentioned that at, at winning mindset. I don't want to say, wrestling mindset or baseball mindset because we have the whole company umbrella. What are the things, the things that you can control as a, as a athlete speaking from the strength and conditioning uh, philosophy or, 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 you know, so to speak, from, from your point of view? Yeah, I love, I love that aspect with uh, what you guys have put in the wrestling mindset book. I mean, we've gone through a lot of the curriculum, especially with wrestling here, obviously. Um, but the controllable factors, like I try to preach that in, in our training and the coaching staff preaches it as well. I know you guys, you guys go with it as, um, I know, uh, oh man, now I'm blanking on it for a second. Okay. I mean, you, I, I'm going with, I, I like to think of actions. Actions are things I control. My emotions are things I control. Um, how I react to those situations are huge. So, and I know you guys talk about the, the aggressiveness too. Like 
like how aggressive can you be like in a in that predator uh mindset so i think those are all things that we can do and um when i talk to the athletes about reacting to situations or poor outcomes that kind of happen like what can you actually control in that and make sure that all other things are placed out of your mind because at the end of the day whether you're playing lacrosse, baseball, wrestling, whatever it is, your opponents and you have the same parameter set up. You guys are going to be on the mat together. You both had equal enough time to prepare. Weather conditions for baseball are exactly the same. Lacrosse, you both have the same gear. You both play the same size field. Like Control what you can in that situation, and the most prepared person is going to be victorious at the end. So. And from a coaching aspect, the same way too. I think there's only I can't control what a a sport coach necessarily wants to do at practice. I can have conversations with them. I can tell them about um, my philosophy or some things that I think might improve it. But ultimately, it's their decision, and I'm a support staff member of it. So I can only control what I can, and that's how I treat them in the weight room to prepare them best for their field of sport. Same as the athletes preparing the best they can, and it's just those controllable factors only. And that's like that that. Yeah, that attitude and effort. That's that's go. got to be huge. Attitude, effort, and aggressiveness, man. You hit all three right there out of go. the <laughs> it, I knew it was going to come to me. I I love those ones, so it would come yeah. to me eventually. Okay, so so now let's talk about mindset in general. And, and, and we won't even go to sports specific. I know you've played sport in, in your life, but you're really focused on strength and conditioning. And, and there's nothing, you know, I can say this about every sport. Like, it's so mental. Talk about just, just the mentality of someone that's really diving into strength and conditioning. That, that inner wimp that talks to them saying, oh, you can't do it. You're not worth, you know, you're not worth it today. You feel lazy. Give me, give me something off of that. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I think inherently strength and conditioning – coaches think hey like old school's mentality is like hey it's the weight coach like they're just like everything's physical but at the end of the day like training and and sport development all that stuff that's i want it's like 80 90 mental because yeah. that's I, I love the quote i love the quote like your body can stand almost anything uh it's your mind you have to convince so if you're if you're strong and will and you you can think and you think positive and you can control those like those controllable factors we talked about, then you can kind of dictate what your body does. Now, strength conditioning and practice and all that stuff, yeah, it's going to play a toll on your body. But again, how you react to it mentally, if if you're going to cower in the corner and you're going to complain and woe is me and and have that like pity kind of attitude, then you've already kind of conceded. If if you're going to come in there and be aggressive and, and take what positives you can out of it and just spin it in the best way you can. And and honestly, like I'll, that's why the team atmosphere is so awesome in training. And um, the same thing, like my dad's in the military, so it kind of came natural. It's, it's suffering together. And, right. and everybody's going through the same thing together, which I think is great. And even, even sports were wrestling and stuff where you're – you're competing by yourself. You still have your teammates that are helping you prepare. They're the ones cheering you on the sidelines. And ultimately, you're all cumulatively coming together, preparing together to put the best person up on the mat, put the best like starting 11 out on the field, whatever it ends up being. So 
mentally you guys got to be locked in at all times and make sure that that stuff is the priority because physically you can handle a lot and your body's going to adapt to the stuff. I mean, training's adaptation. It's whatever stress you apply onto it, like that's your body's going to adapt to it. I mean, if I want to get bigger, I'm going to lift and my body will adapt to it, but it's got to be consistent and you got to make sure that you got your mind right every day. I, wrestling, wrestling hates it sometimes. 6 a.m. lifts, get your mind right. Right. Baseball, baseball comes in after a four-hour practice and in the Fresno heat. And if you've never experienced that, it'll it'll make a man out of you real quick. And then we lift after practice, so you better get your mind right. Love that. That is good stuff, man. Um, and, and and doing it when you don't want to do it. I mean, you you just got to do it. Sometimes you fake it till you make it. I mean, is is that something you would say is true? Yeah. I think uh, there's some points in time I'm not a big like rah-rah coach or um, I mean, I'll be your cheerleader in your corner and I'll, I'll support you as you go along. But ultimately, like you guys got to bring the juice somehow. Like I'll set you guys set the temperature in the room and I'll be the thermostat and I'll kind of I'll adjust it if I need to. If you're not going to be there, I'll I'll light a fire on your ass. But if if the team's getting going and and I can sit back and not do much, they, that's great. I want them to be almost player-led as much as possible. No doubt. So that, that's that's a huge part of it, definitely. That's awesome. Um, as far as the strength and, and coordinator or conditioning coordinators, responsibilities um, and goals, what, what would you say would be the ultimate thing for you in your life as far as your, your dreams and your aspirations with this, with this particular endeavor? Yeah, I think uh, – one of the big things that like I kind of I like to value or strength conditioning the term we kind of talked about it today with our staff like the term strength conditioning like how people kind of perceive it I think at the end of the day like the big word that I always think see is um, being important to me is service because it's a people person industry um, at the end of the day like we should be best by coaching people first so not even coaching student athletes, not coaching specific sport. Like we're not teaching the skills. If I can't relate to my athletes on a personal level and show that I'm kind of human, then right. it doesn't matter. Like I should be coaching the person, not the weights always. So I treat it like a service industry, just making sure that I want to be able to provide them as much as possible. I want, I, I, I love to watch them succeed in their sport and, and I tell them, I tell every single one when they come and we uh, we go through recruiting presentations with them. Like, I don't as much as I want you to be love the weight room and like embrace it. You're not going to like it. Probably you're here. You're here to play your sport. And I'm going to make sure that everything we're doing is getting you in the right position to be there because your job isn't to be a weightlifter. So. I think that just finding ways, whether it be strength conditioning, like being someone they can talk to, whatever, be a shoulder they can cry on or someone they can ask for advice or someone they can put on their resume. Like at the end of the day, I'm there to serve them in some sort of capacity. Absolutely. I mean, if you make your business, no matter what it is about the people, then, then you're going to have it right. Oh, yeah. You're going to have it right no matter what you do in life. Uh, one thing that, that sparked in my mind while you were talking short-term pain, long-term pleasure. The guys aren't going to want to do it. 
They don't feel like it. They have to do it. They push yourself through it. And it might not be that great right now, but in the long term, which is always best, it's going to help them. Do you ever talk about that with your guys? Yeah, definitely. I think that's huge. And that's like another thing we talk about with like motivation. Um, yeah, it's great if you watch a video and you kind of get like fired up for it in the moment. But unless that video like sparks something in you that continually keeps going or a quote that like you live and breathe, then right. it really it's it's just finite. Like I want to be intrinsically like motivated personally, like have a a higher objective and goal in mind that I can constantly pursue. If you don't have that, you're going to be in trouble. And it's it's kind of this day and age, and I'm not going to say it's the kids because I want to say I'm kind of relatively young, but I'm I'm creeping up there now more and more, and, and my dad's making me well aware of that. <laughs> but that instant gratification and, like, trying to get that quick payoff is starting to become, like, a bigger, bigger issue. And you can't really do that kind of carrot and the stick model anymore where hey, you can dangle like this in front of an athlete because they can see it happening in other places across the country. Social media, like other teammates there, they like to compare themselves to others. So I really try to focus on them specifically. Hey, what are your goals specifically? What do you want to accomplish? I know what the team is like. How does that fit into your unique situation? Because I need something that drives you more than just a quote or just that one day where you're fired up. Like what is a constant driving factor for you day in, day out that makes you tick? Like what do you need to accomplish? And that's huge because I think the payoff at the end of that is, is bigger. The success they get from that, um, I, I, I think it's more important. I think that my like relationships with my athletes – I'm starting to kind of see it as I get older. I still have a relationship with some that I've finally seen graduate. And I think that's almost even even more important than like I see them on their senior day. Right. I've seen uh, I've seen for this year was the first one I got all four years, like from freshman to senior year that I've seen my athletes here nice. at any at any school I've ever been at. So it's unique. But to get calls from athletes from other places that are getting married or um, calling me about stories or just wanted to like catch up like that stuff is huge. And like, again, I would have never got that in the moment. Like it just has to build over time. And I think that reassuring that to the athletes and understand like, Hey, this is not going to be a day thing consistently. You got to do this day in, day out. And trust me, the payout is immense. It's so much better. Yeah, man, that that's beautiful. And we talk about, process versus outcome you know most 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 athletes these days are outcome oriented and if we can just get their focus on the process and not so worried about you know going over three or, or or losing a match or getting taken down or or whatever they're focused on the process they have a clean slate the next day they keep on focusing on different processes many and ultimately it leads to the outcomes they desire would you would you kind of say that was true oh yeah definitely i mean i try to i kind of try to do that myself as well. And I hope I try to let it rub off on the athletes. I don't want to seem real robotic. Right. And I want them to know that like, Hey, I'm going to make mistakes and everything too. Um, I take it. I like to take it a step further with them. And we kind of implement it with the teams as like what I like to call edge work. So it's, I don't like to, I don't like to call them weakness areas, but areas of improvement. 
And we take it from like some of their testing in the beginning of the year and some of their like prelim like preliminary assessments, whether it be like we take pictures for like wrestlers and for my baseball team so they can kind of track their progress and um, stuff like that where we kind of see where they they move functionally so we can address that stuff. And at the end of the day, like I want to make sure that they're continuing to make progress and I like it. I like to call them like daily objectives. Like what can you do that's super small every single day that will chip away? Uh, I like the old model, like the, uh, that success story where the, the boulders in the middle of the road. And, um, I think it was a King put it in the middle of the road to see who would pass by. And a bunch of, uh, uh, farmers would walk by it every day when no one did anything until one person started chipping away at it every day. And underneath the boulder was a huge treasure chest. So something that you can do consistently every day, whether it be a 10 minute walk in the morning, just waking up 30 minutes early and um, finding some time on your own or working on your shots for 10 minutes after practice or getting a hundred swings before practice starts or whatever it ends up being like, what can you objectively do every single day that almost chips away to your ultimate process goals and outcome goals at the end. Cause if you can make a process out of it in smaller chunks, right. You ba you basically reward yourself. Like I think the, what was it? The one, I forget the name, the Admiral, he's now Admiral for the Navy SEALs talked about it in his uh, Texas commencement speech. And was like talking about making your bed every morning. Like it's a good pat on the back you give yourself. But if you do those daily things every single day and you have them written out, it's a snowball effect. And now you're in a positive frame of mind. You started off the day with a win like that builds on itself, builds on itself. And then a few months down the road, like you look at it and you're 50 percent away from your ultimate goal. That's huge. Right. And it's that compounding interest effect, not money wise, but but life wise, man, you're putting in little little deposits and now you're, you're reaping the rewards of the interest that you, you know put in. Oh, that's, yeah. That's well, um, Some sweat equity. Yeah, it's a sweat hot out here in North Kakalak today. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> as we kind of close up, one challenge I would think would would be a kid that comes into your program as just a genetic freak of nature, as far as as just has the talent, the God gifted ability. How do you get that kid interested in in working out and getting their body right when they've been able to dominate uh, pretty much their entire life? Right. Yeah, we get. You get one of those like maybe every so odd years, like the freaks of the freaks. Right, right, right. A lot of the times, though, like from my point of view, like for when I'm assessing them and I see them from a strength conditioning point, most of them, they're those ones, their training age is really poor. Like even at the college level, they might have never picked up a weight in their life. Like right. there's there's a few like pro guys that I've had conversations with or I've read stories about where. They literally have never touched a barbell, never done anything. They're just their work ethic is through the roof and their their skill, their skill, whatever it is on the court, on the ice, whatever it is like they're just beyond. They see the field differently. Stuff like that. Right. Um, when I bring the guys in and like all my athletes, when they come in, we assess them and we treat them like they're it's ground zero because for us, we've never met them outside of maybe a recruiting visit or uh, we sent them their summer programs, but 
if you're talking about like the top echelon, like that 1%, like they're probably not doing anything. They're probably just playing themselves and they have some functional like issues um, that are probably limiting. If you think about it from like a weight training, like a strength conditioning side of point, but it works on the field. So are you really going to tell a pitcher that throws 99 miles an hour that your slot position isn't ideal or you're going to tell, you're going to tell a wrestler that loves to like blast double that you got to turn your head a little bit more this way. Cause the book says to do that. So being able to try to understand them and, and get on the same page with them and, and show them that what I can do is help them kind of take them to the next level a little bit, because a lot of the ones that you get with coming in that are, like upper echelon are kind of dead set unless they have a pretty like open mindset and they're, they're ready to get some more improvement Right. are almost like, Hey, I've like, I'm ahead of like these seniors. I'm ahead of these upperclassmen. Like, why are you treating me? Like I don't like I'm like nothing. Right. And we have to adapt them into the situation and kind of like build them up a little bit more, but finding ways for them to buy into our process because i'll tell you what most of our athletes that are the best on the field are not necessarily the best in the weight room but if our best athletes on the field are the hardest working ones in the weight room then we're in we're in a good frame of mind and absolutely hardest workers yeah, yeah that, that comes back but but there there are freaks i mean it happens it, it does and I just I, I foresee that being a challenge for for someone like you who, who really doesn't have to you don't recruit the kids. I mean, this, the coach does. So you're going to get right. a kid that's maybe never lifted a weight ever or properly at all and, and thinks he's got it down pat, you know, because he's always been told how great he was. Oh, exactly. It's a that. from high school to college. That's a that's a wake up call for a few of them for Absolutely. sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, as, as we wrap up here, I appreciate your time. This, I, I've loved it, man. Um, if there's anything we could ever do for you at, at Winning Mindset, please let me know. Um, you, you did read the book. Is there, is there anything that stuck out to you as a final message to kind of recap uh, the predator versus prey mindset that you'd like to speak on? Yeah, I like I love the book. I think uh, we took a lot away from it. Me personally, I think the players took a lot away from it. One of the one of the really good things about it is kind of like you like it always mentions in the book and the chapters, like the learning retention, just like if you read about strength conditioning or if you read about whatever sports you want to do, like you're only probably going to keep 10 percent of that. You got to make sure that you practice it and that you write it down and you're either coaching it or you're coaching someone else up with it. I think that is huge. Finding and we talked about it with all the controllables and and setting your mindset to like always be almost in an attacking mentality where you're pushing forward and you're never satisfied. That stuff, the practical stuff was huge for our players. I think you can kind of preach to them and you can talk about mindset training and you can say how beneficial it is, but you got to be able to back it up. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I took away from it. Like, what are some practical things that we can do as a team and do individually that change our thought process? And actually, we can be able to apply because it's one thing to read it. But if you can't apply it, then it wasn't worth anything. So right. 
honestly, I, I think it's great. I would, I would definitely recommend it to anybody that's trying to get the next edge because like you guys are doing a great thing. Mental training is, is something that I don't think is fully tapped into and what you guys offer and, and the consultations and, and just the communication that you guys have put forward with your coaching and you guys all come from practical experience and, and being former athletes. So, and some, uh, maybe some current athletes too. So yeah, we do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's great. It's a great thing to have. And I think that if you're, if you're not training mentally, then, then you're at a disadvantage for any level and any age, any sport. So you would say mindset makes a difference, right? Oh, mindset makes a difference. Big difference. Love it. But Nick, I really appreciate your time. Hey, maybe we can hook up and talk about how to get my wrestlers actually stronger <laughs> at some point. Uh, we're <laughs> we can still make it happen. And uh, I appreciate your time here. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, like I said, please give me a holler, okay? Appreciate it, Chase. Thanks, guys. Take care, Nick. Bye-bye. Yeah. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, Make sure as an individual, you sign up for the one-on-one -on -one free trial consultation. That's the one-on-one -on -one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one-on-one -on -one attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one -on -one is always the best. Thanks for staying with, with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.